I've seen many polar bears. And in general, I'm not afraid of them. They're beautiful creatures. But it was attacking us in, in a small cabin, and it was very close. It was uh, actually at the door, scratching the door. That was a shitty situation, because we were definitely in line of danger at that point. The door couldn't close because there was a lot of snow in it, and our rifles were at the, at the sled, and we had shot many warning shots. I have hit it directly with a flashbang, massive caliber 12 flashbang, and it just continued. So uh, we figured out that the, the bear was extremely thin and sick. So there has been something wrong with the bear. It wanted to come in. It was desperate. And so were we when we were standing on the other side of the thin door. Morten Hilmer spends a lot of time in the north. It's a place he's dreamed of spending time in since his childhood. And once he got there, it altered the course of his life forever. Did you actually have to shoot a polar bear? Yeah, unfortunately. It was not me, but my colleague who did it. This is a story about the trip that changed everything. Hi, I'm Jonathan Gruber, and this is The Journey. The Journey is an original podcast by KLM Royal Dutch Airlines, where we meet extraordinary people whose lives are transformed by travel. Morten Hilmer is definitely not a city person. He never was. His preferred mode of transportation? A dog sled. His fascination with the outdoors and with the north started at a young age. I uh, grew up in Denmark in the countryside on a small farm with my mom and dad. Beautiful area surrounded by forest and meadows and a perfect playground. I really liked being out in the forest also alone. And I had always these fantasies in my head about like either I was Robin Hood or I was a Native American or I was a soldier or something. I, uh, I was like. A Morton shared these dreams with a friend named Frank. Yeah. And he told me about this dog sled patrol in Greenland, the serious dog sled patrol. And we went out there in the weekend, uh, in the winter, on our little sled trip. We didn't have dogs, but we were... The Sirius Dog Sled Patrol is an elite unit in the Danish military. It protects Denmark's interests in the Arctic and operates in northeastern Greenland, which used to be a Danish colony. Frank and Morton were so fascinated by it that they would go on their own dog sled trips without dogs, but still pulling a sled behind them. He was always talking about, yeah, in the serious doctrine slip patrol, they have like mine with 40 degrees Celsius and they're going out for a month. So we just have to go out. We went to my grandmom's summer house and that was our base camp. And then we went maybe a, a five kilometers out on a frozen field and put up our tent out there. And I was like, oh, this is cold and stuff. And he's like, yeah, but that's how it is in the dog sled team. So we... Morton's our- father had also spent three years in Greenland before Morton was born working at a weather station. So he always told stories about Greenland and the great adventures. And I also think that was what kind of later on uh, made me make a decision about going north because 
I was good in school, but I never figured out what I wanted to be because there was nothing in that big book that I really liked. And I just had the feeling that I want to do something different. I didn't like going to school because it was just like teaching something everyone else knew before you. But I knew I wanted to do something in nature. School really wasn't Morton's thing. Nothing normal was. All the time in school, when I woke up in the morning, I looked at the dog. I was really jealous because the dog could just lie there without any worries, just spend the day as he wanted. And I had to go to school at 8 o'clock and I'll be home at 3 o'clock and people will tell me what to do and they will have expectations to me. And I had so many ideas, so much thing I wanted to try. I just felt in school that every day they just taught me to fit into a box. I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. I didn't want to work for anyone. I wanted to see if it was possible to just be like the dog wake up in the morning, spend the life, like spend the day as I wanted to, and just take me where my heart meant me to go. But when Morton was 14, he discovered another passion. I picked up my first camera when I was 14, and immediately it was nature who was interesting. I, and then I started to photograph everything, from horses to people. I experimented with everything in photography, but I could feel there was only one thing that... that I really wanted to do, and that was photographing in nature. As passionate as he was, though, the people around him weren't that encouraging. I would say, I want to become a, a wildlife photographer. And they would say, Oh, that sounds very exciting, but I could see in their eyes the thought, I hope this kid will talk to his parents and they will make him change his mind, because this is not realistic. I was told it was not possible, because you could be like a commercial photographer, you could be a portrait photographer, but you couldn't really get any education on being a, a wildlife or nature photographer. I didn't really think about it that way. I just thought I loved photographing. I just wanted to go out and explore things with my camera. But all of Morton's friends were taking a more traditional route. Right out of high school, they were going on to university to continue their studies. Morton knew that he wanted to be a wildlife photographer. But how? And then one day, he heard about an organization in Ecuador that was looking for volunteers to help plant trees. And that seemed like a way in. I didn't know what to do. I've been told for 10 years what to do, and now suddenly I was there on my own. Everyone was going straight ahead with their lives, and I was faffing around with my camera. And I thought, whoa, I want to get down there with my camera. I can go down there and make a lot of nice photos and see the rainforest and help doing this volunteer work. And then I can come home and start my career as a wildlife photographer with all these wonderful photos I'll get down there. So I didn't have a choice. I had to follow this dream and going to South America and Ecuador and try to become a wildlife photographer. I went to the rainforest, photographed in the Amazon, swimmed in the, underneath the waterfalls and did what I thought was the most amazing thing. It was an adventure. And I came home with all these photos and thought, now I'm a wildlife photographer. And I became a member of a, a, a stock agency and I made a small exhibition. And I think I sold two photos, one to my mom and one to my aunt. Uh, so that was pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, that was it. I, I thought, now, now I'm in the game, but I was definitely not in the game. I had no idea about what it would take to be a wildlife photographer. Fortunately, 
Morton's mom could see that he really wanted to do this. But she could see that he wasn't happy about how it was going. After all, Morton was striking out on his own, naive, inexperienced, and unknown in the photography world. But then she heard about a school that combined journalism and photography. And it was there that Morton met someone else who was on his side, another wildlife photographer named Bert Wicklund. Hello, this is Bert. Hi, Bert. This is Jonathan. Nice to speak with you. How are you? I'm fine. Bert Wicklund is Swedish, but he lives in Denmark. He's the one who encouraged Morton to pursue his dream. And he knew the going would be tough. Everybody wants to be a nature photographer. But then I tell them, okay, how many years can you do this without earning a penny? Well, maybe half a year. Okay, try that half year and see what you get out of it. And most of them never starts. But Morton was different. Yes. He really uh, got things moving. There are a lot of people taking a lot of pictures, but that's uh, just for fun. You have to make a living of it. Bert taught Morton something critical to good nature photography. Looking. Really looking. You can take anywhere. You can take 1,000 different pictures of a motive or a landscape or anything. How does the different subject in this totally big area compare to each other? Where's the light? What is the sky? What is everything? So you just go around and look. And when you find the point, here is the point where I take that picture. Just looking and be very conscious about looking. After finishing school, Morton's dream hadn't changed, but he also wasn't sure how he could make a living out of it. So instead, he chose a temporary diversion that would lead him down a seemingly very different path. I like adventures, and I like to do things that turned my life upside down. And I was a young man, strong, a lot of confidence at that point, and I thought, I want to test myself in the army. It was the end of the 20th century. And in Denmark, joining the army then was more about survival training than it was about preparing for war. And for me, I was excited because uh, I liked being in nature. I liked going on these survival trips. I liked going on hiking trips to Norway. And I thought, okay, military, why not? It's a good place to, to give, get It's kind of an education in being outdoors, taking a care of yourself. And also at that time, I really liked to challenge myself a little bit. I thought like... I could still do wildlife photography in the weekend because you are in the army Monday to Friday and then you're home in the weekend. And it's only for 10 months. It was like an adventure. It's not like a career at all. Morton joined the army in service of his dream. He planned to stay only 10 months, but remember the serious dog sled patrol he'd heard of and dreamed of as a kid? It was an elite force of the Danish army in the very place he'd heard his father talk about all his life. Greenland. He decided to apply for it. It's more like a park ranger because you are driving around in the national park on a dog sled, looking for activities, counting birds, do all the kind of stuff. But the reason why I wanted to go so bad was because of the adventure. 
the thought about going in these extreme conditions, being isolated in Greenland for 26 months, driving 10,000 kilometers on dog sled on your own, trusting your own mind and your own hands and your ability to work together with other people, just being pushed to your limit and all that kind of stuff. And then the beautiful nature up there. I want to go there and I want to bring my camera. 50% or more of the reason why I went was to take my camera and explore this land with my camera. And I was like training like a maniac to be able to do it. But I still knew that the chances were not that great because there are about 50 people applying every year and they take out between six or seven. Morton didn't make it in the first time, but he spent the next two years training harder and tried again. I was physically and mentally 100% ready. And at that time I was lucky. I was selected as one of the seven persons who started on the uh, dog sled patrol. I knew that it would change my life. When I actually got to Greenland and I opened the door in the airplane and stepped out for the first time, put my, my feet on, on Greenland ground with the snow-covered mountains and huge landscapes, and the first thing I noticed was this crystal clear air into my lungs, and I saw some sled dogs, and I saw everything was so different. And at that point, I kind of knew this is going to be a crazy adventure. What the hell have I started here? The Sirius Dog Sled Patrol serves as a Danish presence in the Arctic. But on the ground, its job is to maintain and supply a series of hunting cabins scattered throughout the park during winter expeditions using dog sleds. For Morton, being part of the patrol was everything he'd hoped for, and much more. When you stand there, it's totally wide out. You're surrounded by nothing. No landscape, no smells, no sounds, nothing. Only the, only the sound of the dog's paws, like and your skis, having your, your, your 12 dogs and the sled and just going about 30 kilometers through the most amazing landscape with only the sound of the, the paws towards the, the hard surface and, and the dogs like, you know, they, and, and they're all happy. They all have their own little personality. So instead of traveling with a machine, you're traveling with 12 friends and then you go on an adventure together. It's, it's priceless. It's impossible to describe how nice that is. I love that. And of course, this wilderness was the perfect place to capture the landscape and its animals on camera. I had a high priority in bringing my camera. And I knew from the beginning, from when I was applying for that dog sled patrol, I knew this was a part of the rest of my life. I knew the pictures I would get there, the stories I would get there, would be the best possible start I could ever get to do wildlife photography. But it took considerable effort in negotiating. After all, dog sleds have only so much space. You wear the same pair of underwears for about three weeks. You have like two suits of clothes for four months just to save weight and volume. So if you have uh, 15 kilo of camera equipment, I can tell you that's pretty hard to convince your colleague that you have to bring that. I actually already started there sending letters home, got in contact with some business. I wrote long articles 
in the tent, in the cabins. I want to pop this when I come home. So I was 100% focused on that part of it. I would say I was a wildlife photographer back then. I just didn't know. And I had this uh, game-changing moment that kind of sum up the, the way I, I, I want to, to do my photography now. I was out with my pool and my tent having a cup of coffee there and I saw this arctic fox that was running around and my thought was, oh, I want to get close to it. So I was photographing it for a while and it went to sleep on a little iceberg. I then sneaked in on it with my camera and I got closer and closer. And it was rolling together with a little nose under the tail, the bushy tail. I was about to move even closer to see how close I could get. Suddenly I realized that I'm not sneaking in on the fox. This fox can spot and hear a little lemming underneath the snow on a five meter distance. So the chance of it being able to, to, to discover a two meter high and a hundred kilo heavy photographer trying to sneak, it, it would probably have seen me. So I, I realized that it, it's, it's not because I'm good at sneaking, it's because the animal is allowing me to get close into its uh, sphere. And at that moment I realized how beautiful this is. Right now I'm not a photographer photographing a fox. Right now we are two mammals out here and the one mammal is a fox and the other mammal is a, is a, is a human being. The Dog Sled Patrol operated in a national park, a place that's home to a lot of animals, including dangerous ones they encountered regularly, like the muskox and the polar bear that tried to get into Morton's cabin. Being out there with, with the other animals, I can judge the situation with a polar bear, when is it dangerous and when is it not dangerous. I am realistic when I'm out there, but I'm also very eager to capture some of these moments. And I think and believe that sometimes you just have to trust that these animals are not going to kill you. Morton's tour was year-round for 26 months straight. It was intense. But he was getting some good photographs. On the other hand, it wasn't always ideal. It was incredibly remote, and the conditions were extreme. When you are so high up north, you have a dark season as well as you have the midnight sun, meaning that we have almost three months of where the sun doesn't rise, like a three-month-long winter. The sun doesn't rise for the first time until like the end of February. There was a deadline where I was going home, back to normal life, and what then? I was not so certain about my life and what should I do when I come home and what should the rest of my life be? And I wanted to be a wildlife photographer, but it was just becoming something I said to myself without believing 100% in it. I remember this day, we knew the sun was about to rise, where we could see clear sky, we could see the horizon. Standing next to the dog sled, me and my colleague, the sun was about to rise up there. And I just remember when it came over the horizon, it was like, it was just unbelievable crazy to, to get that sunlight in my face for the first time. And I had that feeling, I thought, okay, Life is actually pretty nice right now. I'm here in the middle of the world's biggest national park, surrounded by ice and snow, good dog, a nice friend. And when I come home, I'm going to be a wildlife photographer. So that was like one of these moments I'll never forget. After his 26-month-long tour ended, Morten returned to Aarhus, Denmark's second largest city, 
He bought a small apartment there as an investment. It was an abrupt change from the solitude of the Arctic. It was so hard to get back home. I was ripped out of this simple world where you chug off a piece of ice and melt it when you want the water and suddenly you come back to, to Denmark with cars and Facebook and everything was going mental. I kind of felt that the whole thing has changed when I was there because I have changed so much. But when I came back, the only thing that has changed was they have built a new parking place behind the supermarket and people were talking about the same. But they were not talking that much together. Up there, we were 12 people in the station and everyone that passed the station, you have a relation to. Then you come home to Aarhus and no one talks together. I came from being surrounded by the most fantastic nature to being in a small 30 square meter apartment. I had this little window where I could see a lake and some trees and I had a terrible time there. And then there was the work side of things. I started out, you know, I sent out 130 letters to people or schools about doing my lectures and I got one answer and I called them all up after a week. I said, oh, have you got my letter? And I got one lecture. And then I thought, wow, this is going to be hard. But I believed in it. If there was one thing Morton knew how to do, it was to stick with his dream. And eventually he did start publishing articles with his photos and giving lectures and photography courses. But he missed the North. It was much too expensive for him to go up there on his own dime. But as luck would have it, he heard about a job near the headquarters for the dog sled patrol. It was for a chef. And even though he wasn't a cook, Morton was determined to do it. Somehow, he got the job. I was a master of slow cooking because I find a way to put all on the, the meat so it was ready for the dinner and then go out and photograph during the day. And the boss up there said that I was an above average cook, but an excellent photographer. That said everything about where I put my priorities. I think the pictures from the dog sled patrol and the tr pictures from this trip kind of created the fundament for getting my name out because that was after this trip I got an award in the Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition. In 2009, Morton submitted a photo of some Arctic hares boxing with each other to the Veolia Environment Wildlife Photographer of the Year competition. He won runner-up in the mammals category. Then it all started. Then the wildlife photographer adventure really started. But even after winning the award, the going was tough. His friends and family had been right. It was really difficult to earn a living being a wildlife photographer. The bank was calling me and said, it's red numbers all over the lines. When are some money coming in? And I looked at my schedule and I thought, well, no money is coming in. What am I doing? And I sold one of my big lenses and paid the bank and knew that now... They wouldn't bother me for the next three months. And then I thought to myself, what am I doing now? I'm just teaching photography. I'm making photo courses, photo travels and lectures. But I'm not photographing anymore, not as I used to do. Instead of figuring out how to make money, Morton decided to figure out how to spend more time doing the thing he loved, taking pictures. He even stopped giving courses for a whole year. And then the bank went mental again, and I had to sell some other equipment, and then I like could could relax a little again. So I've sold a lot of my things to to make that year possible and rethink how I want to spend my time. And I'm so grateful I did it. My passion is to be out in nature, 
having that fox or that deer in front of my camera, capturing the spirit of the moment and share that with people through my photos. For Morton, though, there's really only one place to do that, the north. When I'm out there in the cold, it just feels right. I'm there. It's the feeling of a great combination of solitude and beautiful, unspoiled nature, a place where you can go for weeks and months without any kind of connection to the world and just be present. When you get to the Arctic in the winter, everything is covered with snow. All the sound has been dammed by ice, the river, the streams, the waterfall is all frozen, no sound there. All the birds have migrated to the south, so you only have the raven left and some of the mammals. You have a color pattern in blue and white and gray. You wish you had some colors, but you only get white. You wish you had a smell, but you have nothing but clean air. My eyes and my brain get more creative when I'm surrounded just by whiteness and snow, because suddenly, with all these distracting things away, it's suddenly easy to focus on a little straw of grass coming up from the ice with a, with a little snow on top. Suddenly that becomes the only thing that is, and you can concentrate fully on that. Or that little bird or the little fox that comes running, suddenly it's just you and the fox, nothing else. No sounds, no smells, no colors. And I like that simple in my photography and also in my brain. It's like a clean desk. Yeah. Morton's persistence, patience, and stubbornness have helped him to survive in extreme conditions. But those are also the qualities that define his photographs and make them unique. He taught me something now. So it's absolutely not a teacher-pupil today. He's on his own feet. I'm proud because Morton has done what he's doing and what he's done. He should be proud. For me, it's not a question about making a perfect portrait or a, or a nice action-packed photo of, a, of an eagle gripping a, a fish in its claw with the, with the water drops like diamonds around it. For me, a perfect photo if that even exists, is a photo that captures the mood or feeling or an emotion. The perfect photo for me is the photo that brings the viewer or myself into a little the same mood as when I took the photo. Or even better, a photo that doesn't show everything so clear and nice that can like trigger the viewer's imagination and fantasy. The day before yesterday when I was out and it was heavy rain and I was standing there soaked in water, I just had a smile on my face when it was dripping down my, my shoes because it was such an awesome feeling. And then the rain stopped, the thunder stopped and the birds started to sing. That can never be, be boring. For those of us who are not aficionados of the lens or for whom the prospect of months in the Arctic wilderness surrounded by ice, snow and polar bears does not seem particularly attractive, all is not lost. I feel it's easier to take a, a civilized man from the city and make him feel comfortable around the fireplace or in the forest than it is to take a wild man and make him feel comfortable in Copenhagen. And I have not once in my life 
had a trip to the forest or the meadow or the beach. I have never come home in a bad mood. I've always been happy. No matter if you live in New York or if you live in London, just don't forget that we are still mammals. We're not some kind of subspecies. We are still mammals with a beating heart. Uh, and like all other mammals, we just belong in nature. Leave your phone at home, go out in nature, spend a few hours there, unconnected. Try to do that, make that a part of life. Experience the beauty of being present right here and right now in nature and let the nature touch you and come to you. I generally believe that everyone without exception would be more happy and get a little the same feeling as when I saw the sun for the first time. Morton Hilmer. We'll put up links to his website and his Nature Conservancy work on our website, podcast.klm.com. You've been listening to The Journey, an original podcast brought to you by KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. For more background on this story and to hear more stories about the trip that changed everything, go to podcast.klm.com. And why not review us on Apple Podcasts? It helps other listeners find this podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm Jonathan Gruber. Think it's a wrap? I think it's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. good. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much. I hope you could use it. Well, no, there's nothing in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh.